Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Media Podcast. I'm Matt Deegan. On the show this week, as ever, we have our unbiased trawl of the week's media news. There's history repeating itself at The Telegraph as another government probe is launched and the minister who commissioned it firing rounds at the BBC. Is the media industry ready for an election year? Uh, also on the programme, Netflix picks up WWE, but can they pile drive their way through the live stream issues? Plus, we're at the Podcast Advertising Summit to hear the innovations coming to a pair of headphones near you soon. That's all coming up in this edition of the Media Podcast. In the news this week, Jon Stewart is back at The Daily Show, just not in a daily capacity. Uh, The comedian will return to the show that made his name every Monday during the election year uh, and will also be an exec on the series. Uh, The live show reunions are coming thick and fast at the moment. Drop the Dead Donkey is about to go on tour. Uh, Also, the Far Show cast and now Radio 1 cult favourites Mark and Lars have a live show planned for the spring. Uh, They announced on Thursday, uh, why did they stop? Will they carry on? Uh, Tickets are available now. Uh, And TV indies have a chance to pitch for some of the biggest brands on British television. Uh, Eurovision, Sports Personality of the Year and Blue Peter are up for competition for the first time from external providers. Uh, Now joining me at the London Podcast Studios, we welcome back media writer Maggie Brown. Hello. Hello. Uh, You have a new book out. Well, sort of. You've got a new chapter of a book out. That's right. Tell us about it. Well, it's really a book about what next for the BBC and the licence fee and um, I've only written one chapter and there's about 27 and a lot of people are far grander than me. (laughs) Um, So Peter Bazalgette who's kind of chaired all sorts of things including ITV is the sort of the lead person in but I actually was really glad to do it and um, you write without kind of fear or favour. It's really an opinion piece although obviously you have to hopefully know what you're writing about and um, I think it's well-timed as well. I am not in the pessimistic camp, you see, because although uh, Lucy Fraser, the Culture Secretary, has disappointed me greatly this past week, uh, I think probably we will have a fresh approach to the BBC. I think it was entirely wrong to take £5 a year off them in that ridiculous move. I think that was just sloppy. Well, let's come on to Lucy Fraser in a bit. Um, Um, What's your suggestion in your chapter and was anybody else's suggestions in the book? Did you think, oh, that was a really good idea. I wish I'd had that. Yes. I mean, some people say there's quite a big move, you know, to to make sure that 
very poor people or people on benefits um, don't have to pay the same license fees mm. as very rich people. That's one of Greg Dyke's suggestions, and it comes through quite a bit. And I actually say that I think something else needed to be done, which is to have a, a body outside of government that decides the level of the license fee. But fundamentally, if you had to weigh it up on scales, um, there's a definite tide of acceptance, appreciation and a wish to protect the BBC which has not necessarily been uh, there you know, for, for the past mm, encouraged, yes. since say, say 2019 and, and Johnson in particular uh, And next to Maggie making her media podcast debut, it's the co-founder and MD of Eliza, Hannah Blake, hello Hello. Um, uh, so Eliza is a social brand yes. uh, uh, fas- uh, specialising in fashion and beauty owned by DMG, yes. uh, but I'm more interested in what you think about The Traitors. Have you been watching The Traitors? Do you know what? I was a huge fan of season one. Yes. I haven't caught up with season (gasps) two. I've been traveling a lot, but I sort of know what's happening because you cannot get away from it. It is definitely everywhere at the moment, isn't it? It's everywhere. I have sort of watched bits of the Uncloaked podcast as well. It's all over social media. I'm a huge fan. I think it's... It's a triumph. Uh, well, as we're recording it now, we have two more episodes to go. I won't ask you then who you think will win, as you've probably got to go back and, <laughs> and reset yourself. Um, but obviously, there's been a lot about television. We talked a lot about last week about TV successes uh, from um, Traitors, but also Gladiators. Uh, it topped the viewing figures again last week. Um, Maggie, um, broadcasters have kind of done the right thing, haven't they, by, by bringing back some hits? Well, I'm really pleased to see the BBC having two hits. Now, I'm not watching either of them, I have to say, <laughs> although I did watch Gladiators when I was younger. Uh, and actually, oddly, my my children, are, well, I've got two grown-up grown children at the moment, so they're not interested either. But I'm really pleased because the BBC needs to cater, cater for everyone. We need those kind of feel-good or you know interesting uh, programmes, and, and, and they need hits. They need any kind of hit, really, to keep us watching. So... Um, no, I mean, good, good. Well, I think hits might be a topic uh, for later. Uh, but before we get there, uh, let's touch on The Telegraph, um, mm. who've made headlines this week with an eye-catching poll. Uh, but before we get to that, um, uh, there's also some government-related Telegraph news, as they are minded to refer the publisher to Ofcom and the Competition and Markets Authority. It seemed a bit deja vu, because I think they did that back in November as well. Uh, why have they done it again? Well, it's, it's because um, the... Proposed owners, new owners of it, um, have altered the terms right at the end when they were about to uh, declare what they thought about the government side thought about it, and uh, they seem to have um, issued a public interest intervention note, and that means that the whole thing is held up and they will re-examine what this change in terms means. And in addition, I think they're going to call in the Competition and uh, Markets uh, Authority, which will delay it further. In all of this too, there, it's not necessarily related, but there are a lot of Telegraph readers who are very uneasy about it, and also politicians. And staff as well at the Telegraph. Well, of course there are yeah. staff, because um, fundamentally it's being, uh, if it goes through, that there are a number of issues. Is it really the case that the uh, Arab uh, money coming in from the United Emirates uh, won't actually affect output. Is it true that you can actually hold them off and people are going back to quite clearly things like the, the standard and all the rest of it? So um, I, I I don't know what's going to happen next. Remember, there's also the spectator and that's very dear to people's hearts too. Mm. And we've also had this, I mean, it's quite a clear demonstration that newspapers not, may not be selling as many paper um 
uh, issues as they have in the past, not at all, but they still have enormous influence. Mm. And it's that kind of uh, junction, really, which suddenly, do we really want this? Do we want them in, in this way? Do we want them... Uh, in an election year as well, and we've seen the dramas about uh, the, the, the 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 group of um, conservative MPs who are pushing hard to d- dethrone uh, Sunak. So um, it's it's a very sensitive area. Right uh, now. Hannah, sometimes um, you know, newspapers get a, a bit of a kick in, don't they? But a newspaper is a publisher of lots of things, including, in your case, um, a new sort of social shopping startup. Mm. Uh, there's a lot going on in in those buildings. Yes, I mean, they have a lot of influence. And so I think uh, this is an incredibly sensitive area. I think it's it's a very worrying time. I think geopolitically, it's it's incredibly sensitive. And I I, I just I just can't quite see what's what's going to happen, actually. And, And I think the problem is, is that if a ruling like this happens with us it kind of what, what happens to the rest of the world what, what precedents that create for everybody else and so i think it's um it's gonna be very interesting to see what happens i agree with you i think we're in a really strange era mm. i think that the atmosphere is is i'm not saying it's 1939 again <laughs> but mm. but it does it does have uh, if you even think back six months or a year certainly before the war in uh, in gaza then uh it everything seems to have changed and people are much more i think sensitive to the fact we're living in rather more precarious circumstances than we imagined we ever would be. Uh, so, yeah, so Lucy Fraser, uh, obviously that Telegraph is, uh, story is in her inbox, uh, but she's been quite busy this week. Um, she did the media round, uh, and I don't know if you saw Maggie, her appear on Sky News. I did. Uh, and Kay Burley gave her a good old-fashioned kick in, didn't she? Yes, and then uh, her, her, her um, co-presenter did as well. I mean, what she was basically saying was that... Um, because they were have people had the impression that um, the BBC was biased over something, uh, that was the same as actually mm. being biased. And Kay just went for her, and in in a nice way. And I think she's a terrific journalist. I always watch her in the morning. I'm I'm turning into a, 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 you know unexpectedly a huge fan of her. She just behave really well and that's been repeated through the week it's given everybody the confidence to go for lucy fraser who after all is a is a king's counsel she yeah, should so be able to handle these well, sorts well, this, of this is the thing i thought when i watched it is um you know, she was equating uh impartiality yeah. with um people's view on impartiality yeah. you know just the appearance of it um and i thought well if you, if you took that to a judge and you were and you were saying uh, well um uh, there's no evidence this, that this man robbed the bank, but everyone thinks he did. Uh, so therefore, he should go to jail. I mean, it, it, it's sort of mad. I mean, the, the BBC, I mean, for the government, they always have trouble with the BBC and they have to appeal to the very sort of right wing parts of their um, their gang, you know, throw red meat uh, to the right wing so they don't sort of disappear off to, to reform UK. Um, they just sometimes look a bit embarrassing, don't they, the, mm. the government, when clearly going for something which which doesn't seem to be true yeah and i and i i think tim davy originally was talking mainly about perception when he when he first started in that role like that that his view was that impartiality is perception and i think that that is a bit problematic i mean how do you how do you measure perception uh, and i mean the bbc have, have faced uh, a lot of trouble this week some from uh, alan rusbridger mm-hmm. um and there was an inju- there's a big long read at the prospect. Um, yes, it's in the magazine this this week. Yeah, yeah and, and I think on their podcast too, Evil yeah. Rivals. Yeah. Um, but um, what I thought was interesting was some people felt that Tim Davy uh, lets um, 
his his kind of co governors get away with it because he's got to kind of keep the Tories on side, uh, and it has meant that they've got back to the license fee settlement that they sort of needed. Well. I think actually it's more complicated than that. I think that um, there definitely has been a packing or an attempt to pack the BBC board with, you know, with Robbie Gibb in such a prominent position as one of the uh, governors and, of course, having been Theresa May's um, uh, communications director. So, I mean, it, you, you, if you were looking for bias, you might say it, look in that direction. What is, what is happening is that we're in an election year. Everything is very sensitive, even quite probably sensible lawyers like Lucy Fraser feel they have to um, have a go, really. But in addition, they're giving Ofcom more powers um, over um, the BBC to decide, really, um, if it's behaving in an impartial manner. All of this is actually gearing up to the renewal of the BBC's charter in in, uh, in 27. So we are some way away from that. And they, of course, may not be in power to actually oversee that but that's the, I mean, in some ways, that's that, the that's, drive behind it that's a, but, but that's about, off on the hope yeah. from BBC isn't it it's like let's just ride this out we've got an election probably in November yeah. um, it's standard sort of Tory bar but it won't matter because it'll be the Labour government that decide our, our licence fee well, that is definitely the kind of sense I think amongst uh, the podcast you've been mentioning yeah. and I, I would I would share it because you can see really almost pretty consistent returns from the pollsters on the other hand, what I actually do think is that the BBC tries very hard not to be um, partial. It does; it, it is checking itself, and it always has done. It has made, made mistakes, but it's actually trying very hard, I think, to be as fair-minded as it can be. But there are p- people are humans. People make mistakes. And if you jump on every mistake or make people jumpy, which is maybe what they're trying to do, to check themselves all the time, then, you know, that's counterproductive. I, I started covering elections for the independent in, in the uh, 1980s, and I can't tell you how terrified <laughs> the producers <laughs> were, say, for the, you know, the Today programme. They literally, the, the key editor had a stopwatch, and he was measuring how much time literally was being given to one side wow. or the other side. And I, I, I thought this is... And they also have people watching the screens, counting out, you know, time given to this, time given to that. Also, I think... I think it, was, yeah, the, it, was just, it was just very intimidatory. Mm. I mean, big editors are used to getting that, that phone ringing, whether it's Alistair Campbell or Robbie Gibb uh, Which saying... they do. Yeah, saying, what, why aren't you yeah. doing what I yeah. want? Uh, meanwhile, over in Fleet Street, news publishers are concerned about a new ruling from the Information Commissioner uh, requiring websites to display a reject all cookies button. Um, Hannah, what are the implications of this? So um, when you go on a website, you have to accept cookies or you can go down a sort of rabbit hole to reject them. And I think... You accidentally press the wrong button. It's like suddenly I've got 90 options. Yes. I'm not sure what And then you to kind do. of think, oh, forget about this. And then you're subjected to some quite harrowing advertising. <laughs> um, now they're saying that you have to make it very, very clear and it has to be accept all or reject all. And a lot of publishers are... Are getting a little bit excited about this, and mainly because they believe that um, 30% of people will press reject all, and then obviously that means that 30% of people therefore can't be advertised to in an industry that's already really struggling with is advertising. It, is it that they can't be advertised to? Is it about or the granularly, top? granularly advertising? And does, does to? that make a difference? Like on the yield for a, a visitor, um, if you've hit that reject 
cookies button so you get a more generic advert are you taking a a cut to the cpms you get a more generic ad which means that when the publishers are working with the agencies and the advertisers they're unable to kind of sell i guess a higher cpm right Mm. so um I think it's interesting. I mean, for me, I I kind of can't believe everyone's still squabbling over cookies Mm. when we know that it's going to end. I think it's quite worrying that publishers haven't got ahead of this already. Because this is part of a wider issue. Google are changing Changing how their browsers are working. It's going to disappear by the end of 2024. And some publishers have talked about actually just verticals. So if you're in uh, the female section of the Daily Mail or you're on your website, actually you can infer quite a bit from that. Yeah, you can infer a lot from that. I think publishers need to be better at collecting their first party data. I mean, this is all the stuff that everybody has known for a long time. I actually think it could be quite good for the advertising industry because if you are talking to a mass audience again, I think your creative has to be stronger. I think there's opportunities to speak to a bigger audience again. And, you know, I think it's about 56% of, of kind of ads lose out because the creative is so poor. And actually, if you if you have that opportunity to create really great advertising, really great UX because a lot of that cookie drop stuff is just terrible user mm. experience. Um, I think it's it's a kind of opportunity, but this is in, in the kind of um, backdrop of, of it being a very difficult time anyway for online advertising. And I think the options around subscription and kind of email data collection is tough. Um, and often, I mean, my background is, is always working in startups and there aren't many startups launching in, in digital publishing. And I sometimes think that that is because it's an incredibly difficult market to, to make the economics work. I mean, Maggie, um, Hannah's right, isn't she? I mean, lots of cuts in editorial businesses, uh, lots trying to find um, a, a new business model. Um, it's tough for the content world at the moment. Extremely tough. Mm. And um, I don't think it's just in the UK at all. I mean, <laughs> it's clearly happening in America too. People are saying that they're you know cutting back because people are not really investing in internet startups or whatever we want to call them digital startups mm. it's 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 because we're more probably facing either very certainly in the uk it's a stagnant economy and we know that probably we're going to suffer much more because probably we should never have left the european union we're, we're in a, we are in a mess unfortunately so people are not spending and i think the to blame it on a change which they knew they were com- was coming is kind of really not very sensible. I mean, it's a sign of hurt, isn't it? Rather than actual thinking, you know, thinking about things. Hannah, um, what are advertisers kind of saying to you? What, what do they want to run uh, on websites or on social? Do they want to get into the creative and do something interesting? Yeah, I mean, when we launched Eliza, we, we very briefly decided to do a website and then changed our mind and went social first. I mean, we're seeing a lot of interest in video, like a mm. huge demand in video advertising and and certainly we're not seeing this huge, I mean, we're, we're early, we're new, we're new, so we're not, we're not kind of commanding massive ad money. But I think the money is there, but I think there is a huge investment in, in video rather than kind of performance-led marketing, digital marketing on, on traditional sites. For sure. And that's also a lot where a lot of attention is on social right. video. Exactly. Yeah. Um, okay, thanks both. Uh, right, time to head out of the studio. It was the Podcast Advertising Summit on Thursday with many audio leaders assembling to hear the state of the industry and the innovations coming soon to a set of headphones near you. Uh, we sent Suzanne as a party to find out the key takeaways, starting with Sean Gray, marketing lead at Channel 4, on how the broadcaster uses podcasts. Channel 4 use podcasts in a multitude of ways so uh, we've had it probably in our marketing strategy for the last 18 months 
We're looking at everything from kind of brand and how we use podcasts to cement our brand message. We've used it um, in driving consideration of our streaming platform. So obviously there's a lovely affinity between podcasts and TV entertainment. So uh, how we can kind of move people through that ecosystem towards our streaming platform. Um, and then kind of at the lower funnel, we're really looking at um, conversion. So how we're seeing people move from podcasts directly into our TV individual TV shows and really using podcasts right through the funnel from yeah, building our brand, cementing what we're known for, being innovative in this space, right through to kind of yeah, program viewership. The sort of greatest success, I suppose, that we're seeing in the podcast space. I mean, it's a multitude of things, really. I think you know we're seeing incredible scores and in kind of consideration and awareness. That kind of middle and top funnel. We're seeing really impressive kind of numbers come through at that point. But I think for me personally, uh, coming from Channel Four, where we're sort of known for our creativity, where we sort of stand out in the market for taking risks and being innovative, um, podcasts and audio is just a really rich territory for us to explore that and further that. So from our side as a, as a business as a culture as a brand podcasts have just been a really amazing creative territory for us um, and we've really had some you know incredible results award-winning work uh, you know really great numbers in there just to kind of yeah really celebrate what we're all about and having you know a great time in, in podcasts basically i'm neil cowling i'm the founder of fresh air production so uh, we concentrate on making podcasts for brands so we were talking earlier about a show that we made for Wendy's called The Burger Files, which is a sitcom a spoof true crime podcast for Wendy's investigating burger files, burger crimes, crimes against food, crimes against people who think they're going to order a nice burger and end up with something horrible. Uh, I'm Joel Morris. I'm a comedy writer. What we did with, with the thing I did with Fresh Air for Wendy's was instead of everyone focusing on one joke, which you might do for like a short ad, they suddenly had 400 jokes to look at because it was a full-length sitcom, which meant there was less pressure on each joke, which meant everyone enjoyed the jokes more, and everyone came home and went, oh, I felt that funny feeling, and it was, they'd had fun because there was less pressure on every single joke, and that's what comedy's meant to be like. You're not meant to stare at it for six months. You're meant to move fast. Brands used to get into podcasts about five years ago because it was cool and because they wanted to experiment. What's happening now and obvious here is that it's no longer an experimental medium. It's becoming a much more mainstream part of the content mix for a brand and therefore our job is to help them to understand how to make the best out of podcasts how to justify the investment and how to then refine it so that you make a long-running piece of content not just a, a one-off tryout that was Suzanne as a party reporting there. Um, now, there's more from the Podcast Advertising Summit on our Patreon feed, uh, along with dozens of extended interviews with top creative talent over the past year, too. It's very easy to tune in. All you need to do is drop a donation, uh, depending on your uh, level in the industry, a runner, a producer or commissioner or, you know, similar. Uh, all you need to do is go to patreon.com slash media pod, patreon.com slash media pod, support the show and the work we do each week, and then you get that special extra bonus patreon.com slash media pod right uh, we're back with more media news after this hello i'm alex zane and this is countdown to the baftas your definitive guide to all the films in the running for the most coveted prize at the ee bafta film awards 2024 best film 
Join me as I go on a deep dive with the producers behind these celebrated movies, uncovering the decisions they made, the challenges they faced, and ultimately what it means to them to be in contention for that most prestigious of awards. That's Countdown to the BAFTAs with me, Alex Zane, and a host of top filmmaking talent. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Uh, welcome back. Uh, Maggie and Hannah are back for some news in brief. Uh, Netflix has signed a new deal with wrestling giant WWE. Uh, Hannah, how much money are we talking? Five billion. Five billion quid for the wrestling on yes. Netflix. Are you going to be tuning in? I'm going to be tuning in. It's a bit nostalgic. Like Gladiators, I used to watch WWE when I was okay. little. And I think... Uh, you know, the fact that Gladiators is doing so well and WWE is here, it says a lot about the sorts of things we're after, I think. I mean, WWE is a bit of a sleeper hit, isn't it? It's sort of a lot of jokes around it. It's been a very mm. profitable business. Um, uh, it's had a kind of ownership change relatively recently. Uh, they've run their own streaming service mm-hmm. uh, that's been relatively successful all around the world. Um, but Maggie, why are, they, why are they teaming up with Netflix? Well, I suppose really uh, they're selling on, aren't they? Their, their brands and... Uh, I was actually thinking the last I was thinking about the crown and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and some of the programs I've watched I mean you know I'm, I'm kind of one of those people who watches Bridgerton but when nobody's watching me and um, I it made me smile actually because I think now it's a clear move. Well, five billion is a lot of money, but yet it isn't a lot of money because I think it's for a ten-year deal, mm-hmm. um, and they also get, I think, outside of the UK, another two um, programs or whatever we want formats apart from Raw. Um, I have. I mean, WWE is a prolific yes, content creator, yes, isn't I, it? I, it is. I mean, I, I have, I have watched some of this <laughs> stuff because <laughs> I have a son, and of course, you know, it, it's it's. 
it's very different to anything they have at the moment. Mm. But that is because it's very successful at the moment. Uh, I, I've, I've been reading um, Ender's analysis reports, and it's one of the few streamers that's really put on. Uh, I think it's about twenty percent of. Um, I think it's twenty percent of revenue, but twelve percent of uh, subscriptions. I maybe ran the wrong for way. Netflix. Yes. Yeah, for ne- they've had mm. a very successful year, and. It's one of the big winners. So, of course, it's going to want to diversify its its content. And five billion is not so much even when you think how much six series of The yes. Crown cost. But also you know, wrestling, either. wrestling yes. uh, is sort of live sport on one on Absolutely. one side. But also, there's a lot of narrative too, isn't there? There's Absolutely. a lot of there's a lot of storylines. Yeah. There are characters. Yeah. It's not maybe as far away from uh, the from Bridgerton or or The Crown <laughs> as maybe you would. Well, there's expect. certainly a lot of naked female flesh too, because they are female. <laughs> that works. <laughs> they have too. female wrestlers, so I can understand entirely uh, why they're doing it. And mm. I suspect it will do very well. I think it's interesting as well because, you know, it's, it's a real push for Netflix into to mm. live events, mm. which I know they're trying to get into. I think they're doing something with the SAG Awards later in February, uh-huh. which is live, which then brings Netflix back to this maybe copying kind of linear TV, trying to get people around the around the app at the same time, enjoying it collectively together. And I think the fact that they're bringing a show where people are used to seeing a lot of advertising against it as well with Netflix pushing into their ad-funded mm. model. I think it's a great, great move for them. And then they had a bit of success with their Formula One drive to survive, but they've not really hit on big sporting franchises. So I think it's... I was looking at some of the comments uh, to the tweets and um, pretty much you, if you're an inter- if you're a WWE fan, uh, this is good news for you. Like it will be cheaper watching it on Netflix mm. that you probably already have. Um, and I imagine for WWE, it's the potential to reach quite a large new audience because Absolutely. Netflix yeah. are so big all around the world. Absolutely, yeah. and also, I mean, when you think about it, I, I believe they've got a large library of content, and we all know that that often comes in very handy if if you need some other stuff so yeah i mean i just think it's funny that uh house of cards was in 2013 and here we are discussing raw and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so netflix of course doing pretty well at the moment from a subscription basis they're really leading the pack yes they are they've added 13 million subscriptions to their um total of 260 million uh for last year which i think is terrific because it's far ahead of most people um, and, you know, that's a 20% growth in subs as well, which is handy. Uh, podcast company Broccoli Productions will close next week. A statement on their social channel said their deal with Sony Music Entertainment was ending early. Um, Anna, what, what's happened with Broccoli? Well, I think it's very sad. I mean, I think they were a great, great production business. I think they've fallen foul to what a lot of podcast production companies have fallen foul to over the last year, which is... I think in that podcast boom area, there were lots of investments made, lots of big bets made. And actually, with the industry how it is now and, you know, um, producers having to really kind of earn their ad dollars and bringing it into the show, some of these smaller shows that just haven't got these big hit audience just just cannot survive. And I think a lot of the platforms and the big audio owners have, have, have realised that and have had to make both staff costs, production costs. I think it's sad because podcasting is is really about profiling those kind of niche voices. And Broccoli was a very values-driven business as well. Very values-driven. I think it was uh, Broccoli because it's good for you, good Mm. for you content, really profiled diverse voices and diverse stories. But if that's kind of lost because bigger hits that have more mass audiences, I mean, I think that is a great shame for, for the podcasting industry. I mean, Sony obviously is, has reduced there, but I think they just did a deal with Elizabeth Day. I mean, mm. she's an example of somebody yeah. who's had a huge hit podcast and actually 
I think what we're seeing is that that these businesses are investing in in brands really that kind of you take the show you create the live show the book the YouTube channel um and I think it's interesting I mean, when I look at podcasting now, it's almost more like social media than it is any kind of traditional media because the barrier to entry is so low. People can create a podcast from anywhere, but actually there is a problem because you know, how, how do you fund all of that? And also you need a strong relationship with audiences, like a lot of social um, characters will do. Uh, I mean, Maggie, Sony acquired something else three years ago, um, and kind of these two operations have remained separate. They changed, uh, they sort of pulled out of a lot of BBC and sort of doubled down Mm -hmm. on podcasting. And audio is sort of up in the air a little bit at the Mm -hmm. moment. Is this just the nature of any any growing medium? There's a bit of a shakedown at some point. I think it's inevitable, really, especially if people think there's money in it and they all rush in, Mm -hmm. or they think that there's an angle that they can do. I mean, that's that's a challenge, isn't it, Hannah, for for all podcasts? Podcasts, mm. finding that audience, um, creating great content, which they definitely did, award-winning production company, um, but finding the right audiences and then and then paying for it too. Yeah, and I mean, I think I mentioned Traitors Uncloaked. Mm. It, there's been a lot of kind of arguments in the industry that is that really a podcast because it's actually a vodcast. Mm. Um, but I think we get too overexcited as an industry about what it is and actually it's about what an audience wants to, where they want to receive that content. And I think with podcasting, discoverability has always been a challenge. So I think this this big push into more video co- podcasting is a good thing and a necessary thing because majority of the time people are spending on platforms where they're using their eyes, whether it's social, whether even on kind of digital publishing platforms where video is being served to you within you know relevant articles, etc. I, th- I think you're going to see more investment being made into creating smaller amount of shows but with much much bigger productions around them just so that they can get the reach it's difficult if you want to make documentaries or you want to do uh, things which you can't necessarily afford the video for i mean we're filming uh, this podcast go and check it out on on youtube and it's relatively easy mm. but doing something more complicated with great sound design that's hard to turn into social clips or make video from yeah and I, I think that's okay for the kind of mass audience and i think if you're a niche audience it's looking at how you monetize off the audience so whether it's through patreon or any other kind of membership plus mm. type schemes um but i think to be reliant on on advertising when you're smaller niche is is very very difficult uh, right just enough time for the media quiz this week entitled media proverbs uh, <laughs> i've adjusted a number of well-known proverbs and sayings to hint at a media story from this week uh, you tell me what the story is from my cryptic clue uh, buzz in with your names if you know the answer. So Maggie, you will say. Maggie. Uh, and Hannah, you will say. Hannah. Let's play Media Proverbs. Right, proverb number one. Pigs might fly off the shelves. Oh, Hannah. Ma- Maggie. Maggie. Ooh, ooh. Maggie. I think Hannah just, just <laughs> picked you there. I think Peppa Pig's got herself a little Lego deal. She has. Yeah. She has. So Peppa Pig is to make a Lego debut in a range of Duplo sets uh, and at Legoland theme parks run by Merlin Entertainment. I saw Peppa Pig in the theatre. <laughs> it was wonderful with my granddaughter, age three, last year. Did she do a good performance? Well, they, it's, they're wonderful. It's very, it's very simple. And, you know, you have all these two, three-year-olds in trance for about sort of, 10 minutes in front of you. And they, I think they did about three shows a day. It was, it was a Christmas show. It's wonderful. Peppa, I love Peppa. I'm very fond of Peppa Pig. They work, they work Peppa hard. They it feels like Shanice Greta Gerwig spin and then maybe <laughs> Papa, Papa Pig will, uh, will get the nomination. Well, there's a, there's a lot of issues with Peppa Pig's um, dad uh, with other dads because right. 
he always kind of does things that go wrong. That's and right. It's not the, it's not bluey, that's for sure. Right, so, okay, num- number two, proverb number two. Avenge is a dish best served wall to wall. Hannah. Yes. This is the Avengers reboot. Yes. Uh, and who is producing it? Oh, well, it's a guy from... Well, I don't... Because I'm not a huge Avengers fan, I have to say, but someone from Sex Education, is he one of the producers? Yes, and... oh, he is, yes. Uh, so is this, is, this is Wall to Wall, co-producing yeah. with uh, Studio Canal. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Maggie, were you an Avengers fan first time around? I think it was a bit on a bit too late for me actually mm. when I was when I was a small child I think I definitely watched repeats of it it definitely yes, sort of I'm followed sure my early did. my early yeah. life do you think uh, this Avengers versus Marvel's Avengers has a chance of uh, doing well with absolutely. audiences absolutely these are, these are very good producers I, I, mm. why should they fail I mean the idea of having a glamorous spy is I mean it's not I'm not saying it's old hat <laughs> but it depends on the, the spy yes you know and there's I mean, why not? We all we all like that kind of drama. Yes, yeah, so I think it's Mickey Down and Conrad Kay who are the writing team behind Industry, yeah, great show yeah. Industry. Yeah. Uh, and as you said, Set Education mm. director Ben Taylor is also mm. a co-creator. Uh, okay, proverb number three. Uh, rolling news gathers no Neil Buchanan. Oh, uh, no. Hannah. Go on, Hannah. <laughs> it was Hugh Merriman basically yes. calling out the Radio 4 quiz show for yeah. being biased even though it's yes, a this... show and then getting his journalists confused <sighs> poor Neil Buchanan from Art Attack I feel like he's always at the butt of a few jokes I wasn't know, he I mean, dead at some point I, I mean so this, this is this is also a continuation from um, uh, from from Fraser early, yeah. earlier in the week uh, he, uh, so Hugh Merriman appeared on uh, Kay Burley's Sky News show the next day and again he was sort of forced to talk about BBC impartiality mm-hmm. uh, and when asked to give an example of impartiality Gave a comedy BBC Radio Four comedy show um, news quiz. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it wasn't a great look, was it, Maggie? Well, it was just you know compounding what we'd already seen. Really, that they're all a bit kind of obsessively trying to follow one line, but they don't know what they're talking about. I think yes, that's what we would say. But you know, that's all good, really, if they show how <laughs> how ignorant they are. Uh, it's it's kind of, if you if you basically think the BBC is being persecuted unnecessarily, then. Uh, bring it on is what I say because they're going to be wrong and if it brings Neil Buchanan back uh, for another series of Art Attack uh, all the better Uh, well um, clean sweep win for Hannah first time on the show thank you I've only ever won once (laughs) (laughs) beginner's luck beginner's luck as a special prize you get to look at Peppa Pig's podcast operations next you can come back and report on the show Um, uh, well done Uh, my thanks to Hannah Blake and Maggie Brown Um, Hannah where can people keep up with what you're doing uh, you just need to follow us at eliza.co.uk on Instagram and TikTok. So Maggie, remind me and our listeners of the name of the book you are in. Um, it's called How Do We Pay for the BBC After 2027? Uh, which is available on Amazon. Uh, that's where I got my copy. Yeah. Uh, so it's go and check that read. out. It's a very good read. And nice short, very short chapters. Mine's only about 1,200 words. And may I hold it? Yes. A bit of self-advertising. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Maggie Brown, five stars. Uh, thank you both. <laughs> thank you. Uh, and that's it from us today here at the London Podcast Studios. Remember, you can get 25% off your first booking when you use the code MEDIAPOD at thelondonpodcaststudios.com. That's MEDIAPOD at thelondonpodcaststudios.com for 25% off. And if you're new to the show, uh, why not hit follow on the app that you're listening to this on? Uh, or why not head to YouTube? Just search The Media Podcast with Matt Deegan uh, to be able to su- subscribe there and see us in glorious Technicolor. Uh, my name is Matt Deegan. The producers were Ollie Pitt and Matt 
Matt Hill. It was a Rethink Audio production. I'll see you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.